Blog Talk Radio. It's a life of hustle and survival. I remember when my, my ninth grade teacher asked me, Lisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? And see, I have to fight the Harlem Crip 30s every day to get home from school, so I looked at her and said a lie. I took an English class. I got to fail in English. And my English teacher said in front of the entire class, Lisa, you have to be the weakest writer I've ever met in my entire life. Don't worry, my story is good. Don't feel sorry for me. I got seven under my belt. And then the same year, my speech teacher said, after giving me a D minus, I knew I, I knew I had an A in speech. Like, come on. He obviously didn't agree with me. He gave me a D minus and said, quote unquote, Miss Nichols, I recommend you never speak in public, that you get a deaf job. So here's the beauty of that story. Other people's perception of you ain't none of your business. Everything you've ever been through, set through, rolled through, cried through, prayed through, Everything is a setup for your next best season. In the way you forgive the perceivingly unforgivable, the way you love the perceivingly unlovable, the way you accept what seems to be unacceptable, the way you embrace after you've been betrayed, the way you do that is the way you will lead us. Your light belongs to everyone who'll be illuminated because you were bold enough and obedient enough to let your light shine. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And every time you cross someone's path, and they can't handle your light? You know those people that they try to give you reasons why you should tone it down a bit. That they would tell Cheryl not to sing so loud. Right, right, right. They would tell me to shut up in class. They tell you you're kind of strange. You know those people, dream snatchers, vision busters. Don't be mad at them. They can only love you to the capacity in which they're able to love themselves. Don't be mad at them. Don't be mad at them. Pray for them. Love them. Because they're dealing with themselves like we're dealing with us. But I want you to remember that your 70 watts, your 70 watts has to be turned way up. Because you got way more to give us. It ain't over yet. Don't put a period where God put a comma. And when you turn it up to 159 watts, you know, you keep turning it up. You like, you stop dimming your light. You say, today is the first day of the rest of my life. You turn it up. You're going to find people that can't handle your light. And before today, you might have dimmed your light. You might have shrunk a little bit. You might have tempered it down a little bit. But after today, I want you to see this. After today, turn the lights up. After today, you don't dare dim your light. As your light gets brighter... As your light gets brighter, you're going to disrupt some people. And they're going to tell you your light's too bright. Your light's too bright. Your light's too bright. Your light's too bright. Then you just look at them and say, well, I'm not dimming my light. I'm just going to hand you some shade.
Peace, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are on the second part of narcissism in the black community. I wish that I could get and figure out how to do this um, live while I'm on the phone on Instagram. I cannot, so I apologize. Um, I'm not able to figure that part out. Let me just let them know. Or call in. Um, all right, I just needed to do that really quick. Thank you for being patient. Um, so I, oh Lord, the second part of narcissism in the black community and what and how it shows up, why we should be looking at narcissism from a cultural perspective versus any other perspective. Um, I don't want to neglect if you did not get to see last week's show or you did not get to listen to last week's show, uh, I'm going y'all look, now I got to get both out. Now, today's note is all screen. <laughs> but um, we're going to go over what we discussed last week, why it was so important, and how we're going to follow up into this week's discussion to ensure that everyone is on the same page. Everyone, this is all about education. One of the issues and why narcissism is able to be so prevalent and to be so um, Gosh, it, it, it's, it's running rampant. First of all, everybody is calling everybody a narcissist. And just as I said last week, there is a difference between just straight-up selfishness and selfish behavior and even narcissistic traits that might show up. And that does not mean that someone is a narcissist. And so hopefully last week we... We got some information and some knowledge. We got some great feedback. I appreciate all of the feedback that came after the show. It usually comes throughout the rest of the week, and um, it's great that I can, like, get folks excited about the next week's show. And we will be talking about what is um, the next series and the next series of topics that we are going to be going over. So you are on. New Evolution Radio, I am Hila Offset on Beautiful Evolution. I am the lady of the station, but Joey L is the H-M. <laughs> um, I see the hair more in charge. Y'all, he does the show every Sunday as well. Please make sure that you are tuning into that. And the call-in number is the same call-in number, and we want you to always be joining us and making sure that you're with us. And that number is... Oh, Goodness gracious. Let me make sure I have the right number. That number is 515-602-9637. Again, that number is 515-602-9637. And uh, let's dive in. So first we're going to just kind of talk about what we talked about last week. Then we're going to get into roles and how those roles show up and why they're different when they show up in the black community when we talk 
it's it's gonna get deep. So I want y'all to call in again. That number is five one five six zero two nine six three seven. Or put your comments on Facebook. I see y'all on on um, Facebook, and I see you here joining us and making sure that we're here. But this is part two. This is part two. So um, let's keep it going. So last week we talked about. I'm just gonna really really quickly go through. Last week we gave the definition of narcissistic narcissism personality disorder. We talked about how it's different than actually just being really, really, really selfish, <laughs> you know, and there is a, there, there are different things um, to make you say which is which. Also, it's, uh, there are people who have narcissistic traits, not necessarily the personality disorder. And then all of us have a healthy um, stream of narcissism in us because it is a part of survival. It is a part of making sure that we follow our dreams, right? Like there's this, there is healthy narcissism. Um, we did talk about the different types of narcissism. And while when you Google it, you see kind of like eight to 10 actually in this research, I, um, which is one of the, one of the roles that we'll be talking about, but I actually saw where they are beginning to define another type of narcissism and that's communal and, or the community leader. So um, I'm super excited to talk about that one. Um, but the eight types of narcissism, it's healthy. That's when we are healthy. Um, don't even really like to call this narcissism because it's really just confidence. It's really just being clear that you can dream and you can have faith in yourself and you can believe in yourself, right? Um, but for the sake of this conversation, we're going to call that healthy narcissism. Grandioso, um, covert which is um, simultaneously will be called vulnerable narcissism, um, malignant, sexual, somatic, cerebral, spiritual, hotex. Um, and then I added financial invited, and I was going to add community leadership, but they, I, I'm seeing that folks are beginning to say, no, there's actual, um, it's a communal type of narcissism because it feeds, and I'm sure past administration has encouraged folks to think about that in a new way. Um, yeah, and then we got, and then we started to dive into why it's different in the black community. And we talked about um, the American, every system, every system, healthcare, education, housing, financial, um, criminal justice, every system within the American system is a contributor, I mean, excuse me, is rooted in collective narcissism, all right? So all of these quote-unquote forefathers and all of these folks, they clearly had a level of narcissism within them in order to build this country. And in that, when we were competing and we are the lowest of the caste system, there's not leverage of actual communal power, right? So when it shows up in our community, it is it is overburdened with racial fatigue, with racism, with discrimination, with all of the things that come with being black in America, aka the lowest caste system in this country. All right. So let's be very, very clear. We should be looking at narcissism 
from a cultural lens and not a and and even more so the narcissist is attempting to mimic and is often chasing the white power structure and the white power access, right? And the white supremacist model trying to apply it within their cultural black cells. And it don't make no sense. And it don't make no sense. And so you have a whole bunch of black folks who are falling into narcissism, which was very much modeled, right, very much modeled by white supremacy, very much modeled by the ideology that we as black, as melanated people, are on the lowest of the caste system within this this country, within this system, all right? And so, like, it's very, very important that we understand why it is so important for us to look at this from a cultural perspective as well as from a um, – as well as from from a human perspective, right? Like narcissism is insane, period. You put the cultural aspects on there with the lowest caste system, and, and, and listen, and I believe that it's everything should be looked at from a cultural perspective because our entire health care, so many of our systems are based off of Eurocentricity, that it, and it creates disparities. So what's happening is that folks, who look like us within our community, they are not being properly served when we are talking about this mental health illness, when we're talking about whether you are the narcissist or you are a victim of narcissism, right? There's there's going to be a huge mental health gap because we're not looking at it from the same perspective. Also, also um, what I found, too, is that when we are going to look for narcissistic therapists or narcissistic psycho psychotherapists who who can actually help us unwaver and do all of the things because of um oh god implicit biases because of discrimination because of racism because of oppression you may go to a therapist who will tell you that they've had experience with narcissism and they may have but because they have never seen confidence, they they will downplay to you that it's not that. In the same sense, in the same sense that they will tell a black woman she's not really in pain during labor, and now we have this huge disparity where black women are dying as they're giving birth. Right? So same concept. So it so um, it, it doesn't apply only to physicality. It also applies to emotional body, to mental body the spiritual body, right? And so this is very, very important that we are looking at this from a cultural lens because it comes with additional burdens and additional heaviness because of the collective harm that is done to our community daily, right, daily. Um, all right, so before we start and get into the actual, like, roles and how it is showing up in, in our community and why we have to continue to educate ourselves. Like I think a lot of people last week, um, I had a lot of conversations, and I would, um, oh, no, I am fine. It is the shadow. No, my eyes are fine. I don't know what. Thank you for <laughs> for being concerned. How, I'm going to move the light so it doesn't look bad. Actually, I'm going to move location. 
because if it looks like that, that is not what I want it to look like. Although I do have dark eyes, but I don't want anybody to be concerned. No, no, no. I am fine. I am all the way fine. Thank you for being concerned. Okay. So we're gonna before we get into the actual roles, I wanna do some definitions. I want us to define what are and how um are different aspects of dealing with narcissism and what happens and what shows up when you um what are the traits? What what are the well we talked about the traits. We talked about the traits of narcissism last week, but what we did not really go into are like the impact definitions and we're gonna talk about that today. All right, so the first definition that I want us to and this is something that we throw around a lot too. And I want us to be clear of making sure that we understand these definitions instead of just loosely throwing them. We have to get clear on educating ourselves as well because it downplays those of us who have really been through narcissistic abuse. You can't just, because someone is selfish or because someone is not giving you the relationship that you want or whatever it might be, they're doing their own work and they're focused on themselves, you can't just throw around they are a narcissist because um, then it is hard to compare what is really happening within narcissistic relationships. So please, please, please be clear that some people just are selfish and self-centered, but that doesn't mean that they are narcissists, all right, because they can, they, people can be selfish and self-centered and not be harmful, <laughs> right, and not be um, emotionally violent to whoever they're engaged with. All right, so let's go into gaslighting. The definition of gaslighting. All right, so gaslighting is emotional abuse that intentionally manipulates or distorts the truth that instills self-doubt within you. So you, so someone is going to tell you, no matter what you say, the sky is orange and you know it's blue. And they will completely, completely, and bagger. This is also, this is also a police tactic, and using and getting folks to confess, right? And creating this entire, entire um, story, distorting the truth. All, um, hold on, I gotta see. Um, and it is completely making you feel. Like you are going crazy and that the truth isn't really the truth. And so this is what they do intentionally to make sure that you are, are um, what is the word? You're questioning your sanity. You're, you're, you're doubting reality. Um, um, it just it causes such a conundrum within yourself. And people always, always ask, especially when we're talking about physical abuse, but any type of abuse, people always, always ask, what and how did you get in this position, and why do you stay? Why do women, why do men, why do children of narcissists, why do people continue to engage when you know this is how this person is and what it is? Well, it all starts psychologically. 
talk about how it begins with love bombing. I'm going to give the definition of love bombing as well. So the emotional abuse that intentionally manipulates or distorts the truth, and it instills self-doubt within yourself. So you're questioning everything that you just went through or the exchange, what you saw, right? Like they will, they will tell you that you saw and you did not see what you know you saw. You know, they will tell you that you did not um, observe what you know you did between an exchange with them. They will tell you all types of stuff that the situation wasn't the situation that happened. Like they will continue to, um, to, to do that type of work on you, and you will continue to question yourself thinking that it is not what, it is, what actually happened. And you begin to question. You begin to self-doubt yourself. The reason why they use this tactic of gaslighting is because it keeps the, it, it feeds their ego. To see you going crazy and chasing like a like a, a mouse on a wheel, to see you doing that, it actually feeds them to feel good about themselves. Let me say that again. Your misery feeds them to it, it to it being their control over you their ability to manipulate you, their ability to continue to have you in, in confusion. They feed off of that, all right? This is called, when, when you talk about narcissism, this is what um, they call the supply. So you are the supply. And as long as you were the supply, you were able to do this. Now, let me say this too. A lot of times you're going to hear folks say, I was with a narcissist because I was, I'm an empath. You were with a narcissist because you gave them a supply. Because not because the implication in saying that is that only empaths attract narcissists. That's not true. First of all, that's not true. Um, as, as empathy is something that is constant. That is constant in in being able to. Um, be human. That's a human, humanness is empathy, <laughs> all right? So seeing someone cry and saying, how can, are you all right? That is a natural thing. Folks will say, I am an empath when they may not be an empath. They are just exercising their empathetic nature, right, for being a, for being a human. Right? And, and let me tell you this, too. Empaths can be dangerous, too. Empaths can can have the same, and, and that's called balance. And you, and I'm, I've been with two narcissists, so I'm not saying this from I'm not saying this from any other space. Don't think that you don't want to go into the world saying because I'm an empath, I attracted narcissists because now you're creating this martyr mentality that that somehow immortalizes you to narcissism and you are the only person who would try. No, no, no. Let me say something. Narcissists are not trying to say, are you an empath? Let me be with you. They get supply from whoever they get supply. Narcissists can get supply from another narcissist. All right? So we have to stop that narrative too because that is not the um, that is not the case either. And, and empaths Right, like what what I am thinking. Let me tell you, I've, I've 
committed so much of my my work into helping folks with narcissism and getting out of it, what I have been seeing is that when folks are saying, I'm an empath, I'm an empath, I'm an empath, and really, they just are good people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't have... You, People, there is a such thing as good people who are not empaths. Like, we don't need another title. Like, we don't need to be throwing around another title and making sure that that title is confusing whatever it is that's going on, right? Because what's actually going on is the connection is you are a supply. A child can be a narcissist supply. A teacher can be a narcissist supply. Somebody at the... Somebody at the uh, uh, grocery store can be a narcissist supply. So don't get caught up in saying, because I'm this, I'm attracting this. Narcissists are not looking for impact. They are looking for supply. We've got to stop that narrative. Because impacts also have bad traits and bad habits too. All right, so let's, let's get that narrative out of the way. I'm saying that's the only. Now, I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying don't say because you were with a narcissist that that must mean you're an empath. Because to say that I'm an empath in spiritual work, in spiritual work, when we say that when folks, well, I don't claim that I'm an empath, but when folks say that they are an empath, it is a gift to be protected and to be given to other people. All right, so it's, it's, it's a gift. Let's remember, let's just remember, being an empath is a spiritual gift. Not being empathetic. Those are two different things. Just like being a narcissist doesn't mean that you have narcissistic personality disorder. Those are two different things. Your traits versus actually a part of your makeup. All right, and so let, let's get that. That's very, very important. Very important because... Here's the thing. This is why it's important, because in Eurocentricity, in those definitions, that does make sense, because as the collective whole, as a collective impact, let me not even say the collective whole, as the collective impact of whiteness to blackness, it has been narcissistic, and the collective whole of blackness has been empathizing, has been empathetic, has been forgiving, has been loving. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So culturally, it doesn't make sense. We're still trying to define how to deal with this very, very, very dangerous um, emotional, mental, spiritual illness, (laughs) right, a lens. That is Eurocentric. We cannot do that. So collectively, so for everybody, oh, I'm an empath. I'm an empath. Empaths yearn to heal. Empaths can't stop themselves because it is their gift. They are here to bring balance to the world. All right? And so when, when, when the empaths are here, that that and and I don't want folks to think being an empath means you're going to attract narcissism. That's not what that means. So let's stop associating one with the other and just say that narcissists need supply. And they get supply from wherever they get supply from. 
<laughs> right? Because you might be an empath, you might be another narcissist. They are going to get their supply no matter what. So, so let's stop that association um, and just understand that it's about the supply. So it's it's the supplying of that ego. It also gaslighted. That was all to talk about gas. That was all to say, like, gaslighting and how it shows up to feed their ego. All right. Um, In feeding their ego, gaslighting also provides the narcissist to keeping folks from actually challenging them. When you feel so crazy in your own head, you're not going to say nothing to somebody else because you sound crazy when you're saying it. That's how how you internalize it. All right. Um, It also keeps a level of superiority. You're crazy. This is what I remember. I can maintain control, and now I am in superiority. All right? So that's, that's exactly what it is. Um, some other things that you can see when people are gaslighting you, um, they bring up your past mistakes all the time. Your past. So I, I've seen narcissists bring up folks' childhood that didn't have nothing to do with it wasn't even their mistake. You blaming me because my grandma lost custody of me. You know what I mean? Like, you kids, that don't have nothing to do with me. But you're bringing it up um, for a level of superiority. Um, they play with the card that you're crazy. You believe you're crazy in your own head, and they keep feeding that. And so you believe that because usually narcissism, the impact is a level of trust, right? Um you question your memory. They they make you de- they deny the facts. Um, they play like they're a good person. They play like they're the martyr and that they saved you from something, right? And uh, they avoid accountability. They shift all of the blame to you. They project their faults onto you. So they will tell you you doing what they doing. No, I'm doing well. You're not, but because you already feeling like you're crazy, you take you take it in. Um, they pretend to have allies. My violent <laughs> yeah, let me tell y'all something. This is gonna be so funny, but it's so it's so real though, but it's so real. My violent narcissist used to always say to me, White women are the biggest allies for black men. We ain't even gonna go there. But when I was doing this research, I mean, again, you have to continue to do the research. You have to continue to educate yourself to ensure you get clearer and clearer and you can unwind even more, unwind even more as you didn't even know. When I was writing this and writing my notes, I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot that he used to say that. But he used to be very clear. He would tell everybody. He even broadcasted it on, on, on social media, in person with people, that white women are the biggest allies of black men. In an attempt to continue to degrade the collective black woman. Ain't that crazy? Oh, community leader too. But ain't that crazy? So that's that's the depth of like, what did you just say to me? And would justify and would really like have folks saying, yes, that's true. No, right? And And it becomes this like communal gaslighting. Um... They have rage. They're violent. Um, they are always comparing you. Um, they triangulate you. We're going to talk about what that means. 
Um, they use your words against you. So you might say, I love this talk about impact. I love being an empath. I love I know I'm an empathic person. And they'll come to you and say, Didn't you say you're an empath? How are you not gonna feel my energy? How are you not gonna trust that what I'm saying is real? And we'll have you all confused. All right? Um, they trivialize you. Um they say your opinion and your position doesn't count. They play the devil's advocate all the time because they have devilish ways. And, uh, and then they derail, and then they stonewall. We're going to talk about what we're going to define what stonewalling is as well. Um, but it's, it's quite, it makes you feel literally, and, and you will justify. A lot of times we don't recognize what emotional and mental abuse is because it's not physical. So you will also tell yourself, at least it's not physical. At least they're not cheating, right? Those are the two. For, for Usually for women, at least he's not hitting me. Usually for men, at least he's not cheating. And, and it confuses you to the fullest. And then they, they might hit you. They might cheat on you. And still guess it wasn't that because you have to think or they've triangulated you or they're comparing you. All right, love bombing. So people always ask, how did you get here? Let me explain. <laughs> Let me explain. Love bombing begins the relationship. It starts the relationship. And when it starts, it, it usually starts fast. It usually starts um, really, really, really intense. And it's just huge, huge, grand bombs, literally, of love. Both of my narcissists, the first day I met them, told me they loved me. So I didn't even recognize the second time, oh, this is a pattern, because I didn't even notice that the second one was a narcissist until my exit out. I was like, oh, this is what this is again, right? And so, like, you that's how they get you in, and you're chasing. You're chasing this big, grand love display that you have. It's literally an addiction. Let me also say this to folks who have dealt with narcissism. Let me be very clear. You are sick. If you're dealing with narcissism right now, if you have just got out of narcissism right now, you are sick. And I use the word sick very harshly because people, again, especially if it wasn't violent, will tell themselves it's not that big of a deal. I just need time to get no. You have been so master manipulated that you have to recognize you're sick and it requires a different level of work to get out of it. But this is how it starts. The first first whirlwind, next thing you know, you met somebody and two, three weeks in, Y'all both think y'all in love. Now, here's where it gets, it, it, it gets um, gray, <laughs> right? I, I'm a very black, naturally, I'm a very black and white person. Narcissism made me learn gray, right? It gets very, very gray because there are real cases of love at first sight. There are real cases of healthy folks 
just being able to vibe in in the energy and develop something beautiful and healthy. When you're coming in it being healthy, that still doesn't mean that you can't be manipulated. What it means is that you have to be forced forced coming with yourself when you get those spidey senses because you will always get those spidey senses. And then from the spidey senses, don't just go off of a feeling now. Don't just go off of some feelings. Actually dive in and do the research. Actually dive in. Nothing is wrong with saying this is a beautiful connection. We can have this. We can do this. But let's see if it's sustainable past a certain amount of time because that's how narcissism shows up. It starts with love bombing. So it can gifts. Um, they saved you, right? They say all the right things. But if you ever get to a place or a point where you feel like you're walking on eggshells, like you can't bring your truth and your authenticity, that means that it is unhealthy. You should be able to fully be who you are in who you are, no matter what, and it does not, and it does not rock the boat. It does not make you walk on eggshells. So that's love bombing. All right. Um, stonewalling is just stopping. When people just stop and walk away from a conversation or in the conversation or in an exchange or just completely um, ghost you, same thing, um, that's what stonewalling is. This is really important that folks understand this. Um, triangulating, um, emotional abuse by a toxic abusive person who brings in a third person in order to maintain control. And then they limit the communication between you and the other person so that now there's competition or drama or mess. And they use that to manipulate and take advantage of both of you. Right? So, um, you you'll see this, and we well, I'm not even gonna talk about that yet because we go we go talk about. It. And then the last definition I wanted to make sure that we all understood. I think let me make sure. Yeah, the last definition is gray rocking, and this is when you decide to take your power back, and you con you put a conscious effort, conscious effort, to not engage, to to come off as bored, um, unresponsive, giving one-word responses, you're not engaging in the cycle. And we're going to talk about that cycle, too. And so those are the definitions that it's really, really important to understand. And and you could go into understanding why there are cultural differences, right? Like why you can you can um, do that. So, sometimes... Sometimes having the cultural differences is how the narcissist does it. A, a narcissist, a, a black person might use white Eurocentric standard of beauty, of, of, of wealth, of power, of control to triangulate somebody who, who they are victimizing within their narcissism, right? So the, so, so the cultural perspective is absolutely necessary for you to say, now, y'all, I'm going to present this stuff in a way that could be applicable to folks who are not melanated, right? Like, it can, because 
the information is the information is the information. You can't deny what narcissism does to to master manipulate. But the cultural, my my goal is to show why culturally it impacts our community in a very 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 different way. So we're gonna talk about. Let me see where the different roles are. So the roles within our community that are absolutely necessary, absolutely necessary, are our parents, our siblings, um, our bosses, our, our mates. The mates have been generally what I've been discussing thus far. Um, and then the community and how these communal narcissists are showing up in our community. And we have to be able to continue to educate ourselves so we can identify who they are and when they show up. Or is it, or is it narcissistic traits? Maybe they're not a narcissist, but they have these traits that we need to hold some accountability to and say we need to get these types of toxic behaviors up out of what leadership looks like within our community. So remember earlier I talked about um, the collective impact of white supremacy upon melanated folks, right? There's a collective. So when so when white folks show empathy, it's very, very, very different than when we show empathy because culturally the caste system like all of the things matter and how and why we we are responsive to behaviors to actions to policy to whatever it is right we we as a collective are an empathetic people and so one of the things that we must understand is that these standards are all based off the of eurocentricity and what has happened is that the white supremacy narcissism has impacted our community with with the concept of conquer of divide and conquer right there is a collective black man there is a collective black woman and both sides both sides are trying to compete with who is more oppressed? Okay, with this is the oppression Olympics. If you do diversity, equity, and inclusion work and justice work, you hear us talk about this all the time. We are in the oppressive Olympics. Who is more oppressed? Are the brown folks more oppressed? Are the yellow folks more oppressed? Uh, are are the black folks more oppressed? And it's undeniable that black folks are at the bottom of the caste system globally. That's undeniable. I don't think anybody would would say we are not at the bottom of the and even you know i've heard the argument of native american at the end of the day still let's break it all down and the, the caste system the actual caste system is based off of keeping black folks at the bottom right and so like we we want to emphasize that you cannot have this conversation if you are still trying to compete with who is most oppressed. Within the black community, we do that with each other, all right? There's a collective black woman saying that the black man is doing this, black men saying that black women are doing that, and so there is a 
and this is all influential from white supremacy that implemented these barriers. Now, I'm not denying in any way, shape, or form that black women are most um, likely to be killed by their black male partner. Not denying that. I'm not denying that black women are keeping black fathers from their children. Not denying that things are not to be competing with each other. Those two things are not to be compared to each other because, remember, those are the traits of narcissism. As long as we continue to triangulate black women over here, black men over here, white supremacy at the top, keeping us from having a bridged conversation to do the healing work. I'm also not, I'm also not diminishing the power of being a black woman, nor am I diminishing the power of being aligned with a black man. I don't know what it means to be a black man. I'm not interested in trying to be a black man, not interested in competing with a black man. What I will say is that your power should not be determined on dismissing mine, right? And, and I should be able to show up in balance and in harmony with making sure that all, can, all healing can happen. I should be able to fully bloom and fully shine and fully show up and it doesn't intimidate you. Well, see, that's the triangulation. White supremacy, y'all fools over there, we over here, y'all calling us fools, <laughs> right? That's the first thing. We are in a triangulated relationship with white supremacy and the opposite sex within our own culture. That's the first thing. So the, so the fact that any time we are comparing our success our health, our system, our whatever to anything of Eurocentricity. We are introducing collective narcissism and triangulating ourselves somehow, some way. I go even further. Brown folks, yellow folks, they do the same thing to y'all too. White supremacy, Latin voters, you need to know that you have a stronger voice than the black voters. Black voters, you need to know that you got a stronger voice than the brown voters. Where are the Asian? I'm watching the polls. This says Asian demographic, not enough to even track. They're doing as long as divisiveness is happening. That is narcissistic triangulation because we cannot, we can't, we're not even interested in building the bridge for understanding. I can be all the way who I am. All the way proud of my melanin, proud of my proud of my womanness, proud of everything, and still be able to show up in the room with Asians, with brown folks, with yellow folks, with whoever. And and you should be able to be proud of yourself too. And we should still be able to figure out how we gotta come together. Now I I'm going to completely say I only represent who I identify with. And I also know that who I identify with, we are the gifted impact. I do believe black women will heal the world. I do believe that it is it is up to black women. And I believe all of that. But that doesn't mean that I have to knock or be triangulated with anyone else. It means I'm confident in understanding what the collective of what my sisterhood looks like. And that should not make anybody, but especially my counterparts within my own culture 
feel a certain way because I'm not competing with you. I can't compete with you. Think about when you think about fighting. Think about boxing. Floyd Mayweather. All right, he's undefeated. Y'all know who he is. Y'all know what he got. Floyd Mayweather is in a weight class. He's in a different, you know, whatever the heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, whatever all of that stuff is. He doesn't go outside of what his what where he belongs to compete with. I can never compete with a man. I will never a man can never ever ever compete with me ever. We don't belong in the same in the same fighting class. It's impossible. It's impossible. So until we get that out of our system of understanding we're not competing within our own culture, that's the first step of removing narcissism, for the, the influence of white supremacist narcissism up out of us. That's the first step. Stop triangulating me against a black man. Stop triangulating me around saying that I am not capable, I'm not capable of building a bridge with melanated folks who have penises so that we can start talking about how we're going to heal the community. That's the first thing. You can't compete with me, baby. You can't compete with me. So the moment you think you are is the moment I need to leave. It's the moment I need to excuse myself because there's nothing to compete I birthed life three times I done did that. There's nothing you can do to compete with that. Nothing. Everybody on the planet came through a womb. And all of them wombs originated with my womb. You can't compete with that. There's no competition. So so that is the that is the first first thing that we must understand within our roles. Narcissism is showing up in the battle of the sexes. There's no battle between sexes because the sexes are not in the same, I don't even know, is it the class? I don't know what it's called in fighting. But it's like you, we, we, we Floyd Mayweather. You can't, we, you can't do that. No. That's the first thing. Those Eurocentric standards create unrealistic and even more of an illusionary narcissism within the black community because you are comparing your wealth, your power, your access to manipulate, your access to have control to white supremacy that you will never have black woman, black man who's the narcissist. You're comparing it and you are trying to live up to something that cannot be attained. You, it is designed for you not to attain it. And if you do, the cost of it is so great, you cause harm to the community. That is narcissism. And and, and we got to understand it. It is also, let me talk about the impasse side of it. It is also unhealthy as the collective black folks to say this is, we are empathetic people. Where has it gotten us collectively? How many times are we going to continue to engage in this abusive relationship? But we can't, well, we can't have that conversation, no. This is how it impacts us collectively. All right? I'm talking about collectively. Now we're going to talk about the specific roles. So parenting, your siblings, your bosses, 
Intimate relationships is what we've been talking about the most. And then the community, right? Let's talk about how it, it shows up within all of these roles. There's no boundaries. There's no empathy. Um, unless I can be empathy, I can be empathetic so that I can gain control to manipulate you. Um, these roles will compete with you or downplay your success, gaslights you, gray rocks you, right? Does uh, triangulate you, love bombs you, um, only treats you well or celebrates you in public, especially social media. So your intimate relationship that might be your parents, your siblings, your bosses or whatever, they're only doing it to get the attention to themselves for doing it, right? It's like uh, it, it's, the, it's the repost of social media. It's the repost. To be able to say, I reposted, I did this, and that's equating to I'm treating you well. But really it's just to have the point of saying I did it too. Right or and people are doing efforts for the likes, for the shares, for the follows. That's all a part of manipulation. And then you see me one on one, and you you treat me like you treat me like hell, <laughs> right? Like it's the same same concept. Um, they play the victim all the time, all the time. You will also hear them say, you will also hear them say to you, "Don't play the victim." You're being the victim. All you're doing is victimizing yourself. No one can define your victimhood. The audacity of thinking you can tell me I'm not a victim to something I've been a victim to, the audacity of that, right? And then so they will, they themselves will play the victim and then put it on you that you're playing the victim. That's also that projection thing, right? Um, they use people all the time. They're super vain. Um, um, I said manipulative. They're, they have conditional love. They're obsessed with success. There's no empathy. I said that already. Um, folks will make fun of you or make fun of others. Belittles your appearance. Belittles how you dress. Belittles. And doesn't slap. You know, the, the, the old folks used to say, that's nice, nasty. Actually, Joey put me on a nice nasty. I'll use that so much now. You nice nasty. You nice nasty. You nice with it, but you really being nasty. And that's being manipulative. Um, they're angry whenever you show your vulnerability. They're boastful while while highlighting your shortcomings. I did this and you know, I know you didn't do this because you didn't go to college or because you didn't finish college or because whatever, right? And now you're self doubting yourself like, Oh, am I less than because I don't have a degree? No, you're not. Right? Like so all of those things begin to happen. Um, they're rude. They deny your success, especially when your success is larger than theirs. Um, they're non supportive unless they can manipulate. Um, and throw in your face how they contributed to your to whatever they're supporting. They avoid feedback. Um, they monopolize conversations and they criticize your role as a parent, as a spouse, as a whatever, right? Or even the role to them. It might be the role of being their child. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And what what sucks is that our parents we want our mamas. 
We want our mamas. And one thing we're not talking about is the narcissistic mother. One thing in the black community we damn sure ain't talking about is mother, period. The black mother is a martyr. Collectively, that's understood. The black mother is a martyr. And so to attempt to criticize black mothering within your relationship dynamic, you are already doing a cultural violation. We got to cut that. Because there are women who are narcissists. We got to cut that. There are black women who are narcissists. There are black women who are emotionally, mentally, spiritually abusive and violent not only to their children, but to whoever they engage with. And they and they sit on, I'm a black woman, I dare you. I'm a black mother, I dare you. We also got to talk, call out these black fathers. The black fathers who are really, really, really narcissistic, and but because they show up and they give money, provide something, they're denying the fact that they are actually so harmful emotionally. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I'm at my son's game all the time as a black father. But the entire time, I'm telling him he's not good enough. But the entire, I haven't encouraged him one time. I haven't complimented him one time, ever. I've never told my son I love him. I've, I've, when he attempts to talk to me, I cut it off. My daughter might come to me and, and ask me for something. I'm manipulating her and triangulating her against her mama. I'm, ta- I'm talking about getting healthy, y'all. Your presence, you being present, doesn't mean that you are bringing your presence. Physically being there is great. And listen, and I'm talking to, and, and I'm only specifically talking to, let me say this too. If you are not in my culture and you are not in my community, don't try to get no comment and no input because you don't even understand the dynamics and the layers. I'm talking to the folks who understand from a cultural perspective what it means to deal with narcissism in our culture because it is different. It is different. Anything that shows up to say I have racial battle fatigue for being a black woman, I have racial and sexual battle fatigue because I'm a black woman in that double minority. Don't get, don't, this is for our conversation. But the reality is that when, when these things happen, because we martyrize our, our, our black men or our black women, because we're doing that, and again, this is all rooted back back to the beginning of the collective community roles and the collective impact of black men versus black women. This is what is what is happening. We got all these all these women talk about complaining about these these men and these boys. We raised them. Because right, because we were we mad about fathers wasn't there. So who were they left with? They were left with us. What were we doing? These raising our sons to be our our, our men? That ain't healthy. That's narcissistic. That's narcissistic. You have boundaries with your child. You have right, like that's not that's not healthy. That's not healthy. Then we got the communals. 
Then we got the communal. Siblings, they siblings, same thing. The siblings are manipulated. There's a power at play with positionality. Who's the oldest? Who's the, who's the middle children? Who's the youngest? Who's the all of that? There's all these power structures when real power ain't in us collectively. Our, our one black brother don't even stay in this, in our community for more than four seconds. So how in the world are you talking about you are trying to compete for a power, you're trying to compete for, right? Like you don't have access to that. So it comes even deeper when you do it because you finally have a supply that feeds into your grandiose, unrealistic, never going to reach this, Grand idea, you God's favorite, you whatever. Nah, that's a joke because you on the show last week, you know what the God's favorite was. About. So you you understand those. And it gets so deep. But these community leaders, this is just what I always, I challenge people to when, when we're talking about, especially these Internet leaders, boy. I was just talking to to beautiful, beautiful sister yesterday in Cleveland, and we were talking about how this generation is so different because they didn't have to experience things like printing a flyer and going and walking door to door to introduce yourself and what your cause is or what your business is or what it is that you do. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do this generation don't have to do that. They can literally go viral and that's their marketing. They don't understand having to build one on one in person relationships, which is very different than one on one right here. Very different. And so because you don't have those experiences, it 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 can morph into a grandiose idea that because you have put twenty seven hundred presentations and presented them on your live and you you've done all of this research and you can tell me how the numbers connect to the stars that connect to the stones that connect to the chakras that connect to the right you can do all of this stuff but there's no movement these things have stunted the movement so i always tell people ask if there weren't likes if there weren't shares if there weren't follows, where would these folks be? Like scholarship is a layer of movement. Social media and all of these things have created these communal folks where scholarship has outweighed movement, right? And what do I mean by that? Dr. Ben, and let's talk about Dr. Ben. Dr. Ben was a master scholar. He did master level research, and he presented that research to us, and our job was to make it move. Everybody believes it's enough, and, 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 you know, Dr. Ben was providing research to many community leaders. But when when we have the the gap, there's no real move. What's happening? What tangible thing can I walk into that you've developed? What what um, institution has actually been built? And if you if you follow Claude Anderson, 
all of his teachings have been, this is for years. This ain't no new viral stuff because the rappers are talking about Claude Anderson. If you've been, in, if you've been studying within community, you are aware of our master scholars because they gave us the tools to go and move. Movement isn't happening. With as much access to scholarship, there is no reason. Well, no, there is a reason. It's because this is the impact of narcissism. Narcissism will have you so in, in I, 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 ego, ego, ego. I don't know how many groups of community leaders that I have questioned, why are y'all not working together? And it always comes down to ego. And this is an overexertion of ego. And if you really understood, if we were really working in our natural selves, listen, I'm not trying to be in a role I can't be in. You not trying to be in a role that you can't be in. You don't have to be. Be the scholar of whatever. Be rooted in whatever it is that your lane is, but stay in your lane and let's build a city. Build a map. But the, but the narcissism and these community leaders, listen, the applause, the, the way that, that, that the men and women respond, the way that all of these things are showing up from a communal standpoint, communal narcissism is impacting us the worst. We, got, we are divided right now behind Kyrie, or Kyrie. We are divided right now because of Kanye. We are divided right now when the reality is, think what you want to think, but what work are you bringing? We got so many good Once upon a time, now let me tell y'all too. Once upon a time, we had so, if y'all remember this age, everybody was debating. We had a debate. Every Everybody was, all of the community leaders were debating. I got a debate. I got a debate. I got a debate. And and these debates became great information, right? I'm not even saying like don't bring me information. That's a competition. Like you know what I'm saying? Like bring bring your intellectual expertise. Do what you that's a competition, but do that. That's beautiful. That's sparring, that's making sure we stay fresh. But where's the movement behind it? What are you building? How are people creating jobs, creating homes? creating systems, creating whatever it needs to be. We are not, and that is how the narcissism, and because of the black women over here, black men over here, triangulated by white supremacy, that is how narcissism has impacted us. And our community leaders are actually competing for Eurocentricity in leadership. They actually want, and and that's counterintuitive to what it's going to take for our community to heal. It's counterintuitive to to attempt to have the very system that we need to heal from actually be the tool that we use to heal with. It don't make no sense. That is some gaslighting for your behind. From a collective standpoint, we really got black folks that say, I don't like black folks. You don't like yourself? Some gaslighting, some triangulation. And the love bombing comes, y'all, today's election day. We got love bomb like a mug every election. 
we're going to do this different for y'all. We're going to do this different for y'all. Well, you said you were going to do that. No, no, no. We didn't say we were going to do that. Clear as day. And our collective empathetic behind keeps saying, oh, it's okay. This is well. You shouldn't do that. If you're getting the money from them, then you should. All of this is skipping and driving and, and the whole while. We need to heal from our narcissistic abuse. And then when when it shows up in our community, we're wondering why. Well, it's because we got these are the standards. These are the standards. Our men are standardizing white Eurocentristic ways to to define that as their success. Our women are are defining beauty, all of their things. From a Eurocentric perspective, instead of saying, you know what, actually we are a collective empathetic people. Great. I, will, I do want you to, to have money. I do want you to have beauty. But, but that is not the most important when you are truly dealing in your natural empathetic self. What is truly important is are you well? Are you healthy? And can we exchange in that way? Because if, if you treat me like the white man but you, you look like me, it's, it's quadruple worse. It's quadruple worse. Because I already got to carry all of this. You, you, it's, it's so deeply embedded in us. We don't even recognize it. And the work, the work that it takes to consciously, to consciously gray, walk, gray rock, to consciously say, you know what, I'm not feeding into that. I can't feed into your abuse to me anymore. I can't feed into you disrespecting me. You disrespecting me is a reflection of you. I can't continue to feed into you not honoring me for who I am. If you don't put value on me, I I can't beg you for that. You don't value me, I just got to gray rock you, no matter what, you have no access anymore because those things are narcissistic. To not value me, to not, right? Like, we have to collectively get to that place where, yes, it's fine that we are collectively empathetic. We need to collectively have boundaries. And it starts within us first. I'm sorry, brother, you can't disrespect me. I'm sorry, brother, you can't dishonor me. And if you choose to, you get no access. Because cause that's, that's all it is. I can't make you stop doing what you do. But what I can do is stop the cycle. And we're going to talk about this cycle. This cycle, <laughs> it starts with love bombing. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to be, and then the inconsistency starts. And when that inconsistency starts, we're already tied up because now we're chasing now we want it to be this beautiful thing. We said that it could be this beautiful thing. Now we got to live up to what we believed it was going to be. And in attempting to live up to that, dismissiveness, silent treatment, harshness, physical abuse sometimes, emotional abuse, uh, um, um, Again, triangulation, I'm comparing you to somebody else and don't say this to that, right? Like, don't talk about somebody else to me who I'm triangulating you against and don't, right? Like, all of the things. 
all of the things. And the narcissism will show up in various ways. It's not always it's 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 covert sometimes. Sometimes it's just around finances. Sometimes it's just around I got more information than you. Right? And then those communal narcissists tend to use those too. Right? They say, I done read this for I done studied this for I done did this for I done this this is why I'm who I am. All right. <laughs> All right. But you're being harmful. But you're making someone feel like they are, are you you can't do that. And until we get to the place where we're great rocking and y'all better start practicing it with the roles that are in with you. Stop feeding it. Whatever the leader is that you don't agree with, stop criticizing that person. Stop stop paying attention. Stop following them. Gray walk, gray rock, and they'll shut up. <laughs> like if you stop supporting, they'll stop doing the silly narcissistic stuff. But see, we're so divided because we're so triangulated against each other. There's no way for us to work together and collect can't even collectively boycott institutions that are intentionally harming folks from our community and say, if you're going to treat folks from our community like that. You get none of our support. You know why? Because we stay divided. We so, we so many. Listen, this stuff to me, everybody keeps asking, what do you think about Kyrie? What do you think about Kanye? I don't think about nothing. I think about until we collectively get organized and we get this narcissistic behavior up out of us, until we get the narcissistic abuse impact away from us and we start collectively healing, it don't matter what nobody says. Anything that it brings division, it don't matter what nobody says because you're showing you're impacted. And we sick. Remember at the top of the show, y'all, I said if you've dealt with narcissism, you're sick. Collectively, we are sick. We're sick. Collectively. I'm not talking about, oh, mama, I said you did your work. You're getting healthy. Oh, I, I am one in... Millions. Them odds don't do not, nothing good for us. We are collectively sick. We are collectively victims of, of white supremacist narcissism, and it has trickled down into ourselves to where we are now, just like we were chasing white dreams and white education and white wealth and white power, and white supremacy, now we're chasing the white illnesses. Now we got the white narcissism that we're trying to chase, but narcissism is so dangerous because we really don't have power. So it's a double burden of spiritual, mental, and emotional loads. We're crazy. I'm sorry. I don't went on. I was being supposed to stop so we could get... (laughs) So we can see if anybody's on the line. If you are on the line, go ahead and press one. If you want to call in five one five six zero two nine six three seven. Y'all, I ain't been on the radio in gosh a very long time, and I ain't been in one of them flows in a minute. Let me take a breath. I ain't even stopping getting no water or nothing. If anybody's on the line, go ahead and press one. If not, I also understand you don't press one because you're listening and you're taking it in. I get it. I get it. 
All right, Joey, is anybody on the line? I sure would love to get your input, too. We love it. No, nobody's on the line. All right, good, good. Y'all, share this video. Let it be known. We talking about narcissism. And I, I think, you know, I have somebody, <laughs> somebody watched it and then said, oh, I thought you were going to be talking about talking about your situation with so-and-so and so-and-so. Listen, y'all, if you can't tell, my form of gray rocking, I don't even say these fools' names, okay? I don't even say their names. And that's not just on air. <laughs> their name off air is something else, too. But I don't, I don't, I don't even say their names. But the gray rock is I can, I can laugh at the audacity because I've done my work. But when you deal with narcissism, this is continued work. But it also gives you continued understanding. And because it's a collective, no, I'm not talking to no. No, when I'm talking about narcissism, when I'm talking about domestic abuse, I'm not talking about a specific person and only my experience. I'm talking about how can we collectively do the work to get the healing, to get this shit up out of us. Dang, I went so close without testing. I was almost so close. <laughs> so close. But I want I want us all to really, really, truly, truly, truly understand that narcissism is real in our community, just as racism is. And it is based off of a, a, a freaking theory. Racism is not nothing about nothing about race is scientifically real nothing nothing about race is real but racism is 1000% real and so it creates that in itself is narcissistic that in itself that is race ain't real but racism is that if that's not the biggest gaslight I've never heard in my life that's real, and we have got to understand that when we are now seeing and I did well not seeing now identifying narcissism within our community, the additional layer of systemic oppression and racism makes it even heavier and even more unrealistic because baby, whoever the narcissists are. You're not going to have the power that these white folks have in their system, in their system. But if we got rid of all of these things and said, you know what? You do the, I know my lane. I do the education. You do the health care. You do the housing. You do the food. You do the clothing. You do the transportation. You do the water. You do the tra- If we got together and said, whatever your level of expertise is, you do that and you stay in that lane, because I'm not competing. I'm in education. I'm in, I'm in healing. I'm in the, in the arts. And those are, and those, and it's in that order. Education, healing, and the arts. So I would not at any point say that I am competing with somebody who is into food and nutrition. No, I need to collaborate with you. 
Tell me what the food program is for the school. Tell me what the standard is. This is where we should be getting out of each other's way and figuring out how to become a chain within each other. But the narcissism is so embedded because we are triangulated with white supremacy. It's white supremacy, black men, black women. And they the narcissists. And it creates more narcissism. Because all we're doing is mimicking the behavior. We want so bad. Well, white folks got. We want so bad what everybody else got. We want so bad that it costs us ourselves and our community. Until we can get past these standards, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that narcissism doesn't exist without white supremacy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the way that it impacts the current state of the black community within white supremacy, it is heavily influenced by learning those behaviors somewhere else. By learning those behaviors and and seeing them and being so insecure because there is no power. It creates the deepest of insecurities because we don't have a a collective forefront. It creates a collective insecurity. The the mass is massing. It is not hard to understand once we stop looking at anything from an illusion. Baby, baby, baby. (laughs) And then the level of accountability. We got to be holding folks accountable, especially these community leaders. Boy, I tell you, if 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 community leaders are not constantly surveying their impact. I almost don't even rock with them. When's the last time you did a survey on everybody who we serve? There is a pre for what do you expect. There's a mid for how we're doing. Then there's a post. How did we do? If folks ain't asking them type of questions, and they can't provide that type of information to you, it's a dictatorship. It's like you, you're serving what you think should be served. You constantly have to make sure and be checking in with the audience that you're serving because that's what servant leadership should be. And it should be, am I serving you the way you want to be served? That's the accountability. That's what keeps you in check. That's what keeps you like, oh, we got to shift and do this because this is actually what the community needs. But we have a whole bunch of community leaders who won't even take criticism without feeling like it is it is an attack on their character. Criticism is such a gift for growth, for understanding, and to build those bridges. Whew, I could go into another day of this, but y'all, I really, 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 really want to go into um, the discipline of November that I'm seeing everybody do. And the, <laughs> whether it's no 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 shade, no nut, no whatever, whatever the no is for November, um, next week we're going to talk, and we're just going to do one show. We're going to talk about the importance of discipline. We're going to talk about why discipline is hard for us to stay consistent. What are the distractions? And then we're going to open up, and I'm going to do some, 
some uh, many readings, y'all. I didn't mean many readings on the line in years, really. So um, get your one question together. We're going to do some readings on the line next week and talk about the no whatever November uh, and and be right back where we're at. You are on New Evolution Radio, where the evolution is the revolution, growth, knowledge, understanding, and movement to evolve is what we do over here. We got services, we got classes, we got um, all types of stuff that ensures that movement can actually happen and collective um, growth can be attained. I am Healer Offset Miriam Ali, and the HMIC is Joey L. Bay, and he is on every single Sunday and making sure that you guys are with us. Call in at 515-602-9637. I love y'all. I love y'all. This is pretty dope. This is pretty dope. Joey, I love you. I will see y'all next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.